Welcome to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. We are a church of connection with God, with people, and our community. Join us each week for powerful messages from God's Word presented by our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. And now, this week's message. I want to let you know, back in August of last year, I told a story from when I was growing up, and uh, I told the story in a message when I was going through a series called Journey Through Ephesians. Some of you may remember that, uh, that series we went through. Uh, if you don't, that's okay. Don't, I, I won't blame you. I'm not taking tabs on who remembers and who doesn't. But um, I felt led to share this story again, um, as it's really pertinent about what we're talking about today. Um, and the story is this. It's a personal memory from my life. One of the first memories in my life was when I was four years old. I remember some things when I was three, but really remember this at four years old. Some people have some good memories as some of their first memories, and some people have bad memories as some of their first memories, and this just so happens to be a bad one. Now, I'm originally from Wisconsin, and I have a majority of my family that's really based all around Wisconsin and some in Minnesota, uh, but my mom's side of the family specifically is from a town called Eau Claire, Wisconsin. That's about an hour and a half east of Minneapolis, Minnesota, just for reference there. When I was four years old, my family went to visit my aunt and uncle there, and they had a swimming pool. And my mom always told me, Dustin, don't take off your life jacket. You need that life jacket to stay above the water. And so I listened to her until I didn't. And I thought that I was old enough, and I thought that I was safe enough and could figure it out to go on without my life jacket into the pool. I could handle water no problem. I thought at four years old. So I took off the life jacket, and my mom and my aunt must have turned around and didn't see me for a split second or two because I quickly got off my life jacket and I stepped into the pool, and I began to walk down the steps of the pool, and finally I was in the water. You know, barely able to keep my head up, but I thought I was a pretty cool four-year-old able to handle it. And uh, I remember uh, finally getting into the water, and my face could barely be, be kept above the water, and I kept walking until I realized, and at four years old, you don't think about this, that there's a slope in pools. They go down, and again, I was four years old, so I had no idea what was going to happen next, but I vividly remember the feeling of the rough bottom of the pool touching my feet as I slid down the slope and under the water, and I didn't know what to do next. I was a helpless four-year-old underwater. I didn't know how to swim. I didn't know how to get my head above water. Now, a funny side point is I remember even until today thinking my aunt told me that everything that's not supposed to be in the pool comes up through the filter. So I thought, (laughs) I'm going to come up through the filter. I'm going to be okay, and we're going to be fine. I think, you know, maybe God gave me comfort in that when I was a four-year-old. I don't necessarily remember being too scared because I was going to come up through the through the filter. Well, if it wasn't for, uh, for my mom, I don't think I'd be here today, seriously, because I, I was under the water. I didn't know what to do. I'd been there for probably 30 seconds or so, and, and at this point, I was looking for that filter. I was looking for a way to get out, and uh, from above the water, I heard my mom say, hey, where's Dustin? What's, what's going on? And, and no more than a second later, I hear two people splash into the pool and, and grab me out of the water, and they saved my life that day. I got above the water, and it was my mom and, and my Aunt Deb, and they had grabbed me out of the water and, and brought me back to safety. I, I vividly remember this as, as if it happened yesterday. Uh, there wasn't anything that I could do to save myself. and all my ability at four years old, with all I knew, I was done for. I was going down under. And I want to 
correlate that to what Jesus has done for us in the same way that my life was saved when I was in a place that I could not get out of on my own. So God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die for our sins on the cross and to, the, and to provide forgiveness for our sins. And today, that's exactly what we celebrate as Jesus Christ, Christ was raised from the dead on the third day, proving that he was, the, he was and is still today the Son of God. So happy Easter 2022. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say happy Easter. It, it is a good day to be at church. If you joined us on Good Friday, we talked about the death of Jesus and we ended with communion. We talked about six things that Jesus went through. Being alone, being betrayed, being accused, having denial, being crucified, and then experiencing death. Now this morning, we're going to talk about just a few of those things. You can see our are very encouraging words that we have on stage today. You probably walked in and was like, this is Resurrection Day. What are these words doing up here? Well, we'll get to that. This was part of our Good Friday props, but we're going to use them today as well. Um, so first, I want us to get our minds wrapped around this idea of the resurrection today. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, if you're new to our church and you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you are welcome here. You don't have to be a Bible scholar, but we ask that you be a student of the Bible, meaning that you're willing to at least read and try and understand what God is having you do. So if you got your Bibles, help come with us to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't own a Bible, and uh, you can definitely use the one that you see in the seat back ahead of you, um, and also if you don't have a Bible and you are not financially able to buy yourself one, you can take the Bible that's in front of you today as a gift from us to you. As a part of helping you to become more familiar with the Bible, uh, we want to be able to provide that for you. Again, if you're not financially able and you need one, go ahead and take it home with you. Uh, that's, that's what we want to do for you today. So I'd like to give you the page number in those, in those seat back Bibles uh, that you can turn to today. It's going to be page 992. Page 992, that will give, get you to Matthew 28. Okay, and I also wanted to put up this slide here too. If we can go back to uh, that one. Uh, yes, very good. So... I don't want to be redundant, but I do want to give people an opportunity to understand more about what this means as we're discussing the Bible today. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. So then you'd find the big 28, and that's the chapter number, and then verse 1, that's, uh, that's the verse number is the number on the right there. So that kind of gives you an idea as you're looking through the Bible. Some of us that have been at church, this is redundant, some of us know it, but we want to make sure that we're helping people navigate the Bible as we read today. So, additionally, the other option, you can go to that other slide, is the YouVersion Bible app. This seems to be an easier thing for people as well. You can go into uh, the Google Play Store or the App Store, find the YouVersion Bible app, click on More and Events, and then you'll see our church pop up on there, Bible Assembly of God. You'll be able to follow along in our sermon notes today and be along with everything that we got. We got some fillable notes, and then all the scriptures I've got will be in there today. <clears throat> so, are we ready? Very good. Wow, that seems so convincing. So, wow, as we talked on Good Friday, Jesus had suffered an excruciating death for all of the sins of mankind, and he had been dead since Friday. So we get to Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. It says this. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. 
But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would inspire us today as we read it. Bring alive the words that are on the page today and help us to understand your word in our heart, that we would not just know what we're seeing and see what we're reading, but that we would apply it to our hearts and apply it to our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Now, this morning we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, but before he was resurrected, he died, okay? And he experienced many difficult things before he died. And today, I want to touch on three awful things that he went through and talk about how Jesus can come help you in moments that you might be experiencing some of the same things that Jesus experienced. So, as we jump back a few chapters into Matthew chapter 26, Jesus had just explained to the disciples what we now call Holy Communion. Jesus talked, which we just did earlier. Now, Jesus talked about eating the bread and remembering him and how drinking the juice represented the blood and that he shed for our sins. And so then they get to a place called Gethsemane. Now, Jesus knew that he was going to be delivered over to be crucified soon, so he wanted to take some time to pray. So he asks Peter, James, and John to keep watch while they pray. And he asks Peter, James, and John to watch and pray, and then Jesus goes to pray. After a while, he finds that they're sleeping. Matthew chapter 26, verses 41 and 42 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, Let your will be done. So here we find Jesus praying about his upcoming crucifixion and death, and his disciples are found sleeping. But Jesus continues to pray and then goes back again and finds them sleeping again. And at this point, he just gave up on them, let them sleep, and just went again and prayed. Jesus is alone. No one to pray with him. His disciples drop the ball and he's alone to pray. This is one of the first feelings that Jesus has. Now, I've gone through times where I feel alone as well, and many of us in this room may be feeling alone today, but I want you to know today that God can take your feelings of loneliness and turn them into experiencing His presence. So, from being alone to experiencing His presence. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So, Get this, as you're going through times of feeling alone, James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Maybe it's been a while since you've been to church. Maybe it's been a while since you've maybe prayed. Listen, God hasn't gone anywhere. He's still there. And a lot of times when I feel separated from God, it's because I've taken my eyes off of him or it's that I haven't been spending time with him. Now, no condemnation this morning. Just recognize that God's still there and use this as an encouragement to set your eyes on God. Draw near to Him and you'll begin to feel His presence once again in the midst of all of your feelings of being alone. I can look back into my devotional journals and I remember times that I felt alone. So I knelt down and I prayed that God would show me more of His presence and he did. I can show you time and time again. You know, I'm here in my, in my journals. It says, you know, I'm here alone and I'm feeling lonely, but I've prayed in the presence of God is in this place. God will meet you at your need. 
Uh, Psalm 27, uh, verse 4. This is actually a scripture that I read on the morning before Hannah and I got married. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. So I encourage you today, dwell in, spend time in the house of the Lord. Come to church. We encourage you to do that. Additionally, spend time reading the Bible. Spend time in prayer, and you'll see that God will begin to shape and transform your life in ways that you never knew possible. Now, next in the story of Jesus, we understand that, yes, he was alone in in prayer, but then the story goes that he was arrested and he was put on trial. And while on trial, people began to make up false accusations to get him in trouble. Let's take a look at Matthew 26, 59 to 61. It says this, Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. So here we see that they're accusing Jesus of all sorts of things. And here they say that Jesus is able to destroy the temple and Jesus would rebuild it in three days. Again, this is an accusation that they twisted. Let me give you reference to this. We talked about this on Good Friday as well. This comes straight out of John 2, verses 19 through 21. And it says this, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. This was right after Jesus had had come in on Palm Sunday. Last week we celebrated Palm Sunday. He had come in, he had come to the temple, and then they're twisting what he's saying here. Jesus never said that he was going to destroy the temple. He said that he would raise it in three days if the temple was destroyed, and the temple was referring to Jesus. It was referring to them destroying him, them killing him, right? It was referring to them killing him, and in three days he would rise again. And again, they wrongfully accused him in front of many witnesses. And in the same day, in the same way that Jesus was accused of all sorts of wrongdoing, the devil accuses us of our wrongdoing. The fact of the matter is that unlike Jesus, the sins that we have committed, we are guilty of. Jesus never sinned, so he was guiltless. Each of us is accused of sin, and that's accurate, but God can turn those accusations into forgiveness. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's true. All of us have been accused of sin and we're guilty, but I don't want to park there because Romans 3.23 is part of another verse that gives us quite a bit of hope because there's a better story that each and every one of us can take part in. The very next verse is verse 24. See, verse 23 says that we've all fallen short, but the next verse gives us hope that we need in the midst of our mistakes. Verse 24 says, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, we've sinned, but you are justified by the grace of Jesus because of what Jesus Christ did for you in dying for you on the cross. He paid the debt that you owed. You are forgiven as you believe in Jesus and confess your sins to Him. Jesus turns the accusations against you into forgiveness. Matthew 27, verse 46 says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's in this moment that Jesus took the weight of the world upon Him. 
he had the sins of all of mankind put upon him. And Jesus had come to die for the sins, and on that, in that moment, he did. Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, Jesus died. I'm sorry, it says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He had died in this moment. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Recognize that this morning. All the sins that you've ever committed were taken care of on that cross. All the guilt you have upon your life was paid for on the cross by Jesus. Jesus suffered much while he was on earth. And in this moment, he took your punishment. He took your punishment. We have to understand this. This was, this was all brought. His suffering was brought to the culmination of death as he took his last breath. But let's read again what we read at the beginning. Matthew 28, 5 and 6 says, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And I want to encourage us today, recognize that yes, Jesus experienced death, but God turned Jesus' death into life. He was raised to life again. No longer was he dead, no longer was he in grave clothes, but Jesus had risen. He was raised from the dead and given life. And in the same way, we are dead spiritually as we don't believe in Jesus and our Lord and Savior. But Romans 6.23 says that we all deserve death because of our sins. But God can turn your death into life. God can turn your death into life. Kendra, could you come forward today as, as we prepare to close? God turned the death of Jesus into life for him, so God can turn your spiritual death into life. And maybe you've come to church today and you've been living separated from God, and maybe you just know it. You just know it beyond the shadow of a doubt. You're like, man, I just know that I have not been doing it right. Most of us have to question most of us don't have to question whether we're living for God or not. We either know we are, or we know that we aren't. A lot of us, we know. And you might feel like you're not living for Him, but you think that it might be too much work to serve Jesus. Some of you say you can't have fun if you're a Christian. I'd say that's far from the truth. I'm having the time of my life since I gave my life to Jesus because I don't have to live every day with the guilt of my sin on my shoulders. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? Please don't hear that because I'm not. If you want to know I'm not perfect, talk to my wife afterward and she'll prove it to you in every way possible. I'm telling you, I am not perfect. God bless my wife. Thank you for loving me anyway. It just means that when I do make a mistake, I'm covered by the sacrifice that Jesus made for me on the cross. Does that mean we take advantage of that and keep on sinning, Scripture says, so that we can have more grace? Paul says no. Scripture says, Paul says, no, by no means. You don't keep sinning so that you can get more grace. That would be taking advantage of it. That would be taking advantage of it. But my spiritual death was turned into spiritual life when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And I'm so grateful for that. There's people in this very room today that have asked Jesus Christ to come into their life. A lot of people in this room have done that. And they could tell you, each and every one of them, that it's the best decision they've ever made. 1 John 1, verses 8 through 9 says... If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Get that today. You think, oh, Jesus can't save me. Jesus can't forgive me. Pastor, you don't know what I've done and the list goes on. I've heard it all as far as that goes. But listen, it's not, 
It's not me that's faithful in this. It's God that's faithful in this. And if you don't think it's possible, God can do it. He is faithful. He can forgive your sin. And He can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He can cleanse you. Some of us have been to church so many times. Oh, and we've heard this offer for relationship with Jesus time and time again. Some of us, some of us are just kind of going through the motions. Oh, you think, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I better go to church this morning. I better just get there. And some of us might just be kind of going through the motions. And I just want to suggest that maybe for some of you, you think you got a little bit more time. But we really aren't guaranteed tomorrow. Now, anyone who knows me knows I'm not a Debbie Downer. I'm not. But we've got to be realistic. Accidents happen. Things happen. And we're just not guaranteed tomorrow. And that's more real to some of us in here than others, as people in this room have experienced death of a loved one very recently. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. But Jesus offers to cleanse you from your sins. So we should make the most of every moment. Not just in our regular life, but in our spiritual life as well. He allows your loneliness to be turned into times of His presence. And you know, He takes your accusations that are upon you and He allows you an opportunity to receive forgiveness. And some of you, if you, if you don't believe in Jesus, He takes your death and He turns it into life. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about today. I mentioned the story of me drowning at the beginning of the message this morning. I had made a bad decision by taking off my life jacket and I couldn't go back. I couldn't go back. I was drowning and there was nothing I could do to save me. I had to be rescued. I had to be saved. Understand the correlation. You see where I'm going with this. In the same way, there's nothing you can do to get to heaven. You must be saved by the power of Jesus. And I say there's nothing you can do. You can't do enough good to get there. It's not going to happen. You must be saved by the power of Jesus Christ. And the offer is here this morning. I'd like to ask a bold question on this Sunday morning. You want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? You want to ask Jesus Christ as your Savior? Would you bow your heads with me as we close today? I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to focus on what this means to you this morning. I want you to take a moment and really focus don't worry about who's around you and what they might think of this, that, and the other. Stop, stop worrying about what's around you and worry about yourself for a moment. Think about your life. Think about who you are. Think about the life that you're leading right now. Think about the life that you're leading right now. If you want to accept Christ into your, sa into your heart as Savior and Lord, I invite you to simply raise your hand this morning and put it back down. I'm not going to call you forward this morning. We're going to run this a little bit differently, but if you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior on this Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday, just simply put your hand in the air and put it back down today. just want to get a gauge for around the room. If there's anyone who wants to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, if you put your hand up, I saw a few hands go up, you can put them back down. Thank you so much. I want to just take a moment this morning. If, if that's you, if that's you, I want you to take this moment and just raise your hand and put it back down. If you've done it already, I saw you, you're good, well, We'll pray in a moment. I saw another hand. Thank you very much. Very good. You put it back down. Anyone else this morning? Very good. As we proceed this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer asking for forgiveness of sins and committing your life to Jesus. And if you believe this with all your heart today, you're saved. 
So as I pray, believe the truth of these words in your heart as I pray. And also, if we could have our whole church gather this morning and repeat after me. Let's repeat after me this morning. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. Help me to turn from my sin and live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Someone clap this morning for those who have made this commitment to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, the journey doesn't end here. There are a few next steps. I saw those who raised their hand. Please meet with me after the service is finished here. We want to give you just a few things to help you as you continue on in your walk with Jesus. But I want to let you know it doesn't end here. It doesn't end here. This is the beginning of the greatest journey of your life. And I'm so glad to be the first to congratulate you on that decision you've made this morning. On this Easter Sunday, would you join me as we close in prayer? Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to meet with you today. Thank you for the opportunity to say yes to you for those who did. And God, I just pray today that we would experience more of your presence and we would be refreshed as we continue to spend time with you throughout the week. God, I pray that you would use us to be disciple makers in our community, in our family, in our workplace. God, I pray that we would take the Great Commission seriously, that you would help us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God, use us today. Use us as we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning. We're grateful you could be with us today. I want to... Thank you for listening this week. If this program has been a blessing to you, we hope you will reach out and connect with us online at our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, it's Buysville Assembly of God or on Instagram, it's at Buysville AG. Have a wonderful week.